What's up, everybody? Welcome back. We're finally back at ICC. Hope you guys are ready for a good show. We're uh, excited to be live again. It feels like it's been like, what, Biz, like three months since we've been live? Two months and two weeks. Oh, man. It seems like way long now. Well, tonight we have a good friend of mine from the lounge here. Guys, welcome Josh Sims to the show. I mean, Sims. Thanks for having me, Garrett. I appreciate it. Absolutely. One M. Did we did we get it spelled M. right this time? Yeah, I think we got it. Right. I think we got it now. No, my whole family's giving me crap. So uh, I, I, just I told him we were going with your alter ego. I told him we let him know. So it's all good. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're excited to do this. We've been talking about doing this for a while. So yeah, right. Let's do it. And I got you on before bad words. So. You know, forget those guys. Yeah, you did. I've Evan only been Russell, I've only I been bumped. That name in a minute. <laughs> Evan says hello. Hello, Evan. Hello, Evan. Oh, we got little Hallmark on here. This is going to be <laughs> real good. I got to get used to calling him Brussel. Got used to calling him what? Brussel. Oh, I know. When he had, when he's had changed his last name like three times, so nobody knows who he is on social media. Yeah, I think that's his strategy. Maybe maybe we should do that. We should all have like alter ego Facebook pages. Why stuff. not? I already do. That'd oh, be fun. See. It's like burner <laughs> Facebook. Of pages. course you do, Biz. See, this is the kind of conversation you're gonna have tonight because we're just gonna talk about all kinds of crazy shit. It's gonna be more like uh, I don't know things guys talk about while we sit and smoke cigars because this is what we do up here. Well, this and is this is not gonna be serious. Whatsoever. Oh, we're not going to be serious? I but we, we will stick to the theme serious. of common sense, though. So we do want to know your story, how you do, and how to utilize common sense in your daily what you do, is, especially your daily what you do, is you have to use a shit ton of common sense. Sometimes. Cool. And <laughs> patience and woo-saw and everything else. So, Capital Josh, why don't you tell everybody... How you're from Little Elm and what you do and, you know, go, go through that. For all right. Time. First of all, I was <laughs> I was born and raised in Frisco, Texas. Spoiled ass. Go ahead. Uh, back when it was, I don't know, 15, 20,000 people, maybe less than that. Uh, moved away for college. Needed to come back to the suburbs. Um, I am not from Little Elm. That's you know. just our little joke because I went to school in the colony and we were kind of. It was like rivals, uh, so you know, in small world, we kind of know some of the same people. We like, do. Uh, we have a few mutual friends. Um, so yeah, anytime I tell somebody that I was born and raised in Frisco, they always tell me they've never met anybody who was actually born and raised here. This this place has gotten so big. Um, came back uh, and uh, became a teacher, just like my dad. My dad was a um, science teacher and a coach at um, in Frisco for thirty plus years, and uh, now I'm in the same profession. That's awesome. And you, I don't want to play this down lightly too. Like he's not just your normal everyday teacher. He deals with the with the special needs kids. Yeah. I think you all enjoy some of his stories. We'll see which ones he wants to tell tonight because. <laughs> I messed with him. I mean, I started calling him Hook because he ended up breaking his finger in an altercation and had to get a pin put in, and his finger was like Captain Hook for a while. So I still can't straighten it out. Yeah, yeah. So not only is it a hard job that requires a lot of patience and understanding and skills to deal with all the daily challenges you deal with, but 
you get put in some really weird situations. Yeah, I would say my specialty now is more um, behavior type students. Um, let's see, I've been chased around with scissors. I've been stabbed with a pencil. I've had chairs thrown at me. Um, I've I've been stabbed in the chest with a pencil. Um, I've You've been, been like. I've been you clawed like Wolverine last time. Uh, my finger's been dislocated. I've had a fractured pinky. Um, but what I tell other people that I would rather see myself get hurt than anybody else. I don't know if it's just the way I was raised. Um, it's not a, a macho man thing. It's just I'm going to put myself in between somebody else and take that I would say injury, I guess, uh, before I want to see anybody else get hurt. I don't know if it stems from a teammate type thing from playing sports yeah. or whatever, but um, I'm going to have the person's back no matter what. And if uh, if they want to try to hit me first, then that's a okay. All right, I got to adjust this. This is going to drive me nuts. We have to listen to this chair squeak all night. Yeah, that, and I mean. So what would you say is the biggest challenge you have on a day-to-day basis w- with, with the kids that you do? Oh, that's, that's a no-brainer. It's you cannot take whatever they say personal. Um, it is a disability. Um, sometimes you forget that. They are going to find your buttons, and they are going to push them, and they are going to find every flaw that you've got. And I know some people who have taken it personally and couldn't take it anymore and they had to quit the job. Um, you just have to you just have to sit there and take it and remind yourself, hey, this they can't control it. And you you got to do whatever you can to a not say anything back and b not throw a punch at them either. But, yeah, I mean, that's got that's got to require a lot of restraint sometimes and some of these kids are i mean we call them kids but they're they're grown adults oh no 100 percent i've uh you know they'll they'll talk about your mom uh they'll talk about your weight (laughs) they'll uh they'll they'll call you racial slurs they'll call you anything and then they'll start trying to throw punches at you and you just have to you know, sit there and take it the best you can and, and not react to it. And that comes with some patience. It comes with time. It comes with experience. Yeah. What do you have, like, something maybe we think would think was common sense that, like, you utilize as a tool to help you in those situations that maybe isn't just common sense? Man, uh, that's, that's a hard question. Maybe. Um Sitting there and taking it is hard. Um, I, I guess the keep telling yourself that they are special needs for a reason. And, um, you know, after they get all done with that, then um, you got to love them again. Um, I was always told you got to find a way to love the kid the, the very next moment, the very next hour, the very next day. Um, if you don't, then it's going to get to you and you're not going to last very long. 
what are what are some of the good things you have with him? Like, what what what's a good day where I mean, like, I know you probably don't have a lot of those. So, oh like, man, but I know there's got to uh, be some. Like, what what's like a good day? That when out? when they when they came when they come up to you and you've been let's say you're working on um, some manners that day and sub kid is like um, you know thank you for getting me that I'm like okay that something's starting to click or uh, or um, you're telling a kid not to run and slide down the hallway and the kid doesn't slide down the hallway all day long that, that he just walks to where he needs to be. Okay, you're doing something right. Or, um, or you see a kid that has graduated and has gone on and has gotten a, maybe gotten a job somewhere and his behavior is not what it was back in school. And you would think that you would have a hand in that and uh, trying to become a little bit more independent. Yeah. That's, that's got to be rewarding to see that. Uh, absolutely. The, uh, I know I've, I've told this story uh, before, but I grew up with a, uh, I grew up with a cousin with, uh, with special needs. And he had uh, epilepsy and he was 10 years older than me. And my aunt and uncle always told me, you know, just treat him just like anybody else. And that's exactly what it would do. He would, uh, he would come up and he would punch us in the arm out in public. So what would me and my brother do? We'd hit him right back. So, yeah. so uh, they're like, you know, they're just you know, people like every day, you know, like us. And that's how I'm going to treat them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to treat them just like anybody else out there in the world. What made you decide you wanted to do this for a career? Is it a family uh, history? I, I mean, you said no, no, it, I kind of, they just had an opening and basically, uh, I applied and they were, they desperately needed people and that's how I got shoved in. I, I really wanted to do, uh, social studies, history and coach just like anybody else. And then I just never got on the coaching side cause it was long hours, um, in that position. You didn't want to uh, have to face the colony. <laughs> So, uh, I love it. It's, uh, some days are harder than others, but when, uh, the rewarding days, you know, outnumber the bad days, it's feels pretty good. I'll see. Debbie just said that you were called to be in this position. Don't sell yourself short. I agree, Debbie. That's good. Good point. The people say that, and I, I, I thank them for that. Um, I hate when people tell me that. Like, oh, you you know, you're saying, I was like, no, I'm not. I, um, I enjoy what I do. I, I enjoy getting the kids off the bus and nine times out of 10, they're, they're going to give you a hug or they're going to give you a high five and, uh, like, okay. And then, you know, just walk to them to class and, and, uh, and then they say bye and then they come back the next day. It's pretty fun. And that's an awesome T-shirt, by the way. I'm a little jealous I didn't get to go home and like change into the one I was going to wear tonight. Oh, 100%. If you don't know Garth Brooks, you need to know. Yeah, you need, that, that, that's a classic <laughs> right there. Well, Josh, you also work up here at ICC. I do. It's, uh, I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that this place has changed my life for the good. Uh can't give specifics. I've been here uh, a little over a year now. Yeah. Um, funny enough, I came in one day to the uh, Tuesday night podcast here at Industrial, 
and was all cut up from a restraint the uh, that afternoon. Um, Brandon could sense that I had a pretty tough day, and I, and I sat down to watch the podcast. I don't even know who was on that day, and um, probably Evan. Probably Evan's on probably all of Evan. them. Well, he goes, uh, he goes, hey man, he was like, we'll hire you. And I stopped and I looked at him and I go, okay. And, and I think he had a little bit of shock on his face. I don't think he expected me to say yes. Yeah. Uh, because I had only been, I would say I'd only been smoking at that point for, I'll say about four months. Yeah. Maybe if that. And uh, he said, we'll hire you. And I said, okay. And probably two weeks later that I started working up here and, that's where I met all you guys for the first time. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. We, we, we love messing with Josh. We, we have some very good banner. If you guys want to see what like banner is at the ICC shop and how we all interact and good times we have, I mean, I, like, again, any of you all that are local, I invite you to come up here anytime and check it out. It's a, it's a great establishment. And the, as you can see, the remodel is getting really close to being done because you guys were in the same room we used to shoot in, but... We're kind of facing a different direction, but it's pretty much the same. Apparently, this room's now haunted because we've got like crazy light stuff. But and maybe and that's and Biz doing new special <coughs> effects. And and me. Apparently, according to some people, uh, ICC is haunted anyway. So uh, hell yes, <laughs> <laughs> you heard it from the man. Yeah. I mean, you can hear all kinds of stuff up here. You can hear theories about how the Earth is flat and man's never been on the moon and. Um, lots of really interesting conversations you can dive into. If you I was to. here for one of the hauntings, so I'm a witness. Yeah, yeah. When the, All right, we got to hear about this. You guys can't I've just do this hanger. That. No, I've never heard. So this back story. when, uh, do you remember Brooke? Yeah, family used to work here. I came in early one day to do something. I don't know why I was here. I think I was just here early anyway. And we were in the back in the apex room talking, and we heard glass, kablow, just just glass. We go all the way to the front to in the vault and inside the vault where they keep the $10,000 Al Capone, like these were Al Capone cigars. Yeah. That glass just came out of the case and fell to the floor. Nobody had been in there. Nothing was there. No temperature. The glass just mm. fell out. So I just figured Al wanted one of his cigars and he wouldn't got it. But nobody to this day can explain it. Not nothing, not anything. And that glass is inside of a frame. How does it fall out? No All right. Have you ever had a like supernatural experience or anything like that, like ghosts I, or anything like that? I, what's, your, what's your thoughts I, on this? I, I, I have this? not. Uh, although I think one time we were closing up shop, we turned all the lights off, and uh, I thought I heard a noise, but I wasn't going to go inspect it because the lights were off, and I don't want to be a part of that. Damn right. See, my one of my one of my first jobs there was a tavern. It was called the Blacksmith's Tavern in Glastonbury, Connecticut. It was one of my first jobs where I was a busser, and this was like a really high end restaurant, like like D Lincoln's or something like that. You know, it was it was of that mm -hmm. that nature. And the basement where the cellar and everything else was was rumored to be haunted and. No one wanted to go down there in the evenings and like put up all the stuff. That's where all the wash equipment was, everything else. So, yeah, I've been down there before, and yeah, you definitely get some weird, eerie feelings. Like, I can remember being down there one time and just feeling a presence by me, and then feeling as I was walking back up the stairs like this cold, cold air 
just passed like through me, not like around me, but like it, like, you know, like a wind blows past you, but like mm-hmm. one that hits you and you feel it, but like your whole body temperature drops. Like, like the, it was the weirdest thing. Like that, that's probably the best I can explain it. And so I met a, I met a guy who, um, gave tours at the Charleston jail like the night tours at the Charleston jail. Is this supposed to be the most haunted place in Charleston? Okay. And, um, and he would tell stories that whoever, um, whoever closed it up had to shut down the lights and lock everything up. Well, you have to start from top to bottom. And he would get to the very last one, and a light would turn on to the third floor. Or, uh, or, a, or something would roll across the hall, like the very top floor. So he'd have to go back up and turn it off and be like, oh, that's just Alvin. Who's Alvin? Yeah. They're like, oh, he was a, uh, I think he was 10. He was either 10 or 12. That uh, he was a, uh, it was a young black child that stole a trolley in Charleston and, and killed a couple of uh, white people. And they put him in the jail with all the adults, and he ended up dying in the jail. Oh, and man. and uh, so I go, that freak you out? And the thing he told me was like, dead people have never tried to kill me. Now, come to find out, this guy was a, uh, a detective in Charleston, and he was like, the dead's never tried to kill me, but the living has. And I'm like, fair enough. That's a good point. My oldest cousin... Also, in Ohio, when she bought her first house after she got married, this house had had a really old lady die in the house. And this is like a really old house that they remodeled, fixed up. It was a really nice house. And I remember my little brother and I stayed the night there one night. Parents stayed at my aunt and uncle's house. And I can remember my brother and I both woke up from dead asleep in the middle of the night and we smelt breakfast. Like you could hear pots and pans, like some like like we thought my cousin Shelly was like cooking in the kitchen. And we're like, oh, we must have overslept. Like it must be breakfast time. So we both got up out of separate bedrooms, walked downstairs, met in the hallway, and then realized it was like three o'clock in the morning. Not a soul was up, but we could still smell like bacon, eggs everything and there was nothing going on in the kitchen that's the weirdest one i've had well also a uh, tie-in uh tie-in to frisco i always grew up with the uh tale of the goat man oh goat man's bridge <laughs> well our goat man he either depending on who you were he either lived by the cemetery in frisco or he lived behind acker elementary so we never know who it was. And you'd always hear stories of like, oh, he ran across uh, or this back road or he ran across here. And I'm like, I don't want to meet the goat man. I'm like, that's fine with me. It's just like, I remember old Crowder Road and there's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah. house up there. Yeah, same crazy stuff. <laughs> it was like, no thanks. Uh, I'm good. I'm out. All right. All right. We've got someone chiming in here and I'm supposed to ask you about the LFTP hashtag. That has to be from Evan, right? Um, yeah. That would be correct. <laughs> uh, it's a thing that I uh, it 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 became just like the uh, stay hard on Facebook. It became it was a you joke. have more than one of these things. Is uh, uh, un- un- unfortunately, yes. Just so y'all know, this is the king of knowing that somebody famous has died 
Before pretty much anybody else. I don't know what kind of like yeah, deal he made with the devil. He gets this like CNN direct line to his phone <laughs> and he's posting stay hard so and so that died. Well, uh, right. He's the king of it. I, I make it a goal to try to beat him. If I see anybody that doesn't require me to like type a novel about who they are. Well, the, uh, this afternoon um, there, there was a thing that came across my phone. And the first person I thought of was Biz, because we just talked about this show a, a couple of days ago, and it was a uh, it was a lady from Hee Haw that she died today oh, from man. from eighty five. So really, the uh, last name Stoneman. It was I don't uh, know. No, I just remember the bad that used to sit on the hay. Bench. Yeah, it was uh, it was a lady from uh, from Hee Haw. Yeah, he is TMZ of who died today in the world. So uh, the hashtag is. It stands for Let's Fuck This Pig. <laughs> and uh, I heard it on a podcast a uh, long time ago. And, uh, and basically all it stands for was like, if you're going to do something, let's get ready. Let's go do it. Basically, don't half-ass it. Go for it 100%. Go for full throttle. This is some little um, Frisco stuff right here. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. I'm, I'm going to let that go. N- nice setup there, Evan. <laughs> he he, uh, he always asks me about it. I always tell him what it is. He always forgets about it. So, And you always have uh, your real reliable, I mean, not just as a worker here, a friend. You have like this crazy streak going too at the boxing gym that you go to damn near every morning well what's so, your what is your total classes up to now um i think back in the fall maybe it was around november or so it was a uh, it there was a it was a thousand check-ins so i'd been going there about six years That's um, insane. um what got you into boxing i always loved the sport always like watching the sport i wasn't really a, a ufc guy um I wasn't really into like the sport of wrestling or anything like that, but um, combat sport, one-on-one, just throwing your hands. It wasn't much of a seeing guys kick or anything like that. Um, So um, six, about six years ago, I stepped on the scale. It was Super Bowl Sunday. I was about to go to a party and it was the heaviest I'd ever been heaviest I ever weighed. And I had two little girls at the time and I go, Something has to change. Right. I don't know what it is. Well, at this Super Bowl party, I was scrolling Twitter, and I came across a post by Jane Slater, who works for the Cowboys. Yeah. The day, that morning, she had gone to Title Boxing Gym in Dallas. And I go, I go, I like boxing. And I'd grown up lifting weights my entire life. And I was, I'm tired of lifting weights. Yeah, I don't. I don't. If I have not have to lift another weight in my life, I'm okay with that. Right. So, um, so I was like, let's check. Let's see what this is all about. Your first class is free, so I went in, took the first class, and, um, beknownst to me, it was a kickboxing class, and I was like, <laughs> I, I thought this was just boxing. And within five minutes, I wanted to throw up in the warm up. It was just a warm up. Like I yeah. was, I was that out of shape. Yeah, um, I can relate to that. My my older brother did that to me at, a, at his jujitsu gym. <laughs> I totally get that. Well, the next day, like I I woke up sore as I ever was. 
couldn't sit down. But I, I went back the next day, and I was like, this feels pretty good. So I started dropping the weight, and I, I lost about 50 or 60 pounds. Um, and like, and like I had two little girls at the time, so I was like, I've, I've got to do something to keep up with them. Yeah. And then plus is when I started, um, that's right around the time, too, where I was restraining the students also on a regular basis. And I was having to tag out because – I wasn't in shape and I was sweating profusely and, and, um, so I was like, I got to get in shape. So it turned into weight loss that turned into, it is now my main outlet, I would say, um, instead of either, you know, either going home and drinking every night or just sitting on the couch and eating food or, uh, or something like that is now become more my outlet than it has uh, for like exercise and fitness. Would you say, and I know you just said you're not into like the UFC type stuff, but you did kickboxing and you did boxing. Would you say that's one of those things? I know I hear this a lot with the jujitsu guys. Like you can't like train yourself and get ready for jujitsu. Like you just have to, you have to build that up doing it. Yeah. Like, you can't, it, it is kickboxing and boxing. I mean, I don't know because I've never taken kickboxing. I've taken taekwondo and I've done a little. Yeah, things. yeah, I would say, I would say so. Um, you, you have to build up to it for sure. Um, uh, sometimes during the classes that I take, um, the trainers will kind of pull you aside from the heavy bag and um, and do just like a, a minute or two, just a, like a mini mitt session. And after those two minutes, you, you feel like that you, can't go on that you need a nap and you can't go on for the rest of the day. It's so tiring and it's two minutes long. And now think about the three minute rounds or the, or then the 12 rounds that you do in a, you know, a heavyweight yeah. boxing match and you got to do something. Yeah. And there you're getting plowed in the face by somebody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you're getting, uh, you not might, you might be punched and you don't you know. Like Tyson says, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Yeah. You know, you never go, how do you react? Well, that turned into, um, I was about to turn 40 for about around four years ago. And I wanted to do something before I turned 40. I, I didn't want to fight. And I go, you know what, what about, uh, what about a triathlon? Like, I think I could do. Now, this is a sprint triathlon. But it's a triathlon. It's a 300-meter swim. It's a 15-mile bike ride and then a 5K at the end. And uh, I trained about three months for it. And two days before um, the race, COVID happened, and they canceled everything. Oh, man. And I was, gonna, I was turning 40 four days after the race was going to happen. So I was pretty bummed about that. And then they had a, uh, they made it up in the October of that year and barely trained for that one, but I did it with my brother and, okay. and, you know, sadly enough, this was the one in the colony. <laughs> so, uh, so he beat me by about five minutes in time. And, okay. and if you have siblings, where, you, where, did, you know, where did he get you at? Was it the swim? Was it the, bike? uh, was it was probably, it's probably the run. Run. Yeah, that had to be the run. You know, I'm I'm built for power. I'm not built for speed. You know, <laughs> so uh, he beat me about five minutes, and then that March they were having another one in the colony, and my goal was just to beat his time, and I think I beat his time by about 
five minutes and I've done four of those afterwards and those could be pretty fun. I just, I wanted something else that was going to challenge me Yeah. instead of just uh, going to the boxing gym every day. All right. That's, Hey man, as long as you're doing things to stay active and doing those things, man, all those are pluses. I mean, everybody's got to find something. And that, and that's what I tell um, new people at the job. I go, especially where, you know, what, what I do and what, uh, what the profession I'm in, that you, you have to find some type of healthy outlet. You know, it, it's okay. You know, we all smoke cigars. We all drink alcohol. You know, just, you know, try everything in moderation. Yeah. All right. Well, before we get off too far here, because people are going to murder us, especially this being our first time live in a while, we've got to talk about what we're drinking, what we're smoking. So, as far as drinking, we're finally able to drink again. Although, this will be one of the last times until we get the, like, bottle thing figured <laughs> yep. out here. Because they are fully opening up the bar and the restaurant here soon. So, I think Friday's our cutoff for getting our own personal bottles out of lockers. But we're drinking a Russell's Reserve Pick here. This is a single barrel. This is Warehouse F46. It's a 10-year-old selected by Specs. Warehouse F, I don't know what it is about F and G, but both of those are phenomenal. But I've never had Russell's before, and I am, oh, really? I am loving this stuff right That's here. It's good, dude. Absolutely. It's one of my favorites. Like, you can't go wrong with Russell's. And it's not an expensive bottle, and you can find those on the shelf, at the store. It's not allocated. It's not crazy. You can enjoy those. Now, as far as what we're smoking... Looks like you have some specialty over there. I do, and I don't even know how to really talk about this a whole lot, and I'm not sure what all I can say about it, so this is kind of hard. So our good friend Panda happens to just be back in town for a few days. From He just got back from China, and he's about to go to Nicaragua and work on some more of his cigars. And... Panda always brings us amazing stuff when he stops in. He he's does. so generous. He's such a kind human being. I love sitting down and hanging out with Panda, but he gave me one of the Liga number ones. So last time he really? had the number twos, yeah. but I guess he grabbed some more number ones while he was back overseas, and now I've got the Liga number one, and this is phenomenal. Like, I'm... Thoroughly enjoying the cigar. I know it's got a lot of Cuban in it. Other than that, I don't know what else I can say about it or not. But that's what I'm smoking right I now. I know he is. I know he is early, early in his blending cigar career. But I can't wait ten years down the road to see, see what, what to see on. what he is going to come up with. Yeah, when you surround yourself with the people to become an expert in your fill, which is what Panda's done. So. Those of you that don't know, Panda's teamed up with Luciano, which y'all heard us talk a lot about Luciano stuff. I love Luciano's cigars. He makes phenomenal stuff. And everybody that that man has decided to help or take under his tutelage has put out phenomenal stuff. I mean, from Jamon with DC, put out that Genesis you guys have seen us on here with a lot. Frankie with Foreign Affairs. He got like a a top 20 at least. Number 19. 19, yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> I have to know this stuff. Affair. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're going to let you talk about your cigar, man. I can't wait to tell them about your raisin notes and your K2 
Kellogg's Frosted Flakes that, you know. That's only the Grand Habano 20th anniversary. <clears throat> Josh has passed the Brandon Frakes talk about a cigar class, and he's really <laughs> trying to perfect those skills now. So I am. When you guys come in here and buy cigars, you should ask Josh to help you pick them out and then ask Brandon to help you pick one out and, you know, let him know how well he's doing on his evolution of cigar flavors if you're watching and you've been up here before don't be afraid to hit that google review maybe mention my name uh you know there you go. might be a little bonus in it for me we could split it you never know might hook you up with an extra cigar who knows <laughs> uh abyss is actually uh smoking what i think is was the um cigar of the year for this shop now we all know about um the Black Ritos being the main attraction. Uh, I'm talking about, you know, when uh, the first time we had them. Uh, I think the Ford Affair was by far and away the, the best new cigar of the year for this shop. I, I would agree with you if we take the Black Ritos out of conversation. Correct. So as long as you take that, that cigar out of the conversation, which, man... All right, ICC just got some more in, so I don't know how I many are left. I say nothing. I don't know how many are left. They should. I'm pretty sure they're for sale to the public now. I don't. I think, don't look at I me. Mean, I, 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 I wasn't I working today. You can check it out. If they're not, if they're left, if the private members didn't buy them all, I would highly, highly recommend come and grab you one. Save it for a special occasion. They're like a $48 cigar, but I guarantee it's the best cigar you've ever smoked. Now, now with, with that being said, um, Jamon, I think, was the very first brand owner that I ever met, and that was even before I was working here. Okay. Um, I sat in on I sat. I was in the audience for a podcast. I think it was Jamon and... Mr. Soul Train himself that we're on together. What brand is Jamon Huh? What brand is Jamon on? Definition Cigars. If you don't know, you better know. Because his stuff is blowing up right now. And uh, after that podcast, um, I would tell, I told everybody that would listen that I was like, whenever Jamon speaks... Yeah. I stop what I'm doing and I listen to that man speak. No, he's awesome to sit and have a conversation with. We've had Javon on the show before. Javon's awesome, man. He's um, a great dude. Well, he is very thoughtful and methodical what he says. Um, I've said it before that he, the prolific cigar was my aha cigar moment. Okay. Um, and then when I found out that Definition was a, a Dallas-owned brand too, I, I was all in. Yeah. Anything Dallas, I'm all for. Yeah. Especially being a local cigar company. Yeah. I, I was all in. But I mean, it's, I mean, I don't think it's any strange coincidence that all these guys we talk about that are trying to bring their own brand to market and do it the right way and put out something consistently awesome, even if it's a small line, all these guys mess with Luciano. Every one of them. And, Luciano teaches them through his family history and all the years he's spent perfecting this craft and everything that man touches and, and helps others with turns to pure. Have, have you told the people how long have you been regularly smoking cigars? 
Uh, let's see. How long have I regularly been smoking cigars? I would say regularly smoking cigars. We're talking three or four years. Like regularly. Before that, it was a vacation thing for me. Or around a golf here and there. Or a poker party. Something like that. Yeah. And I would, or maybe a hunting trip. Mostly winter or beach. Okay. You know, it was kind of vacation tied to. Yeah. Um, but the first cigars I bought were, you know, on vacation in islands. You know, you're talking, you know, like my wife and I going to Aruba when we got married and buying Cuban Cohibas. And well, everybody knows the Cohibas, like, right? Yeah. I mean, so it's like, wow, you start off right out the gate with something, but then you find out. Well, I can't get those here in the U.S. and mm-hmm. the ones that I buy here don't taste the same. Like it's, and when you don't know and you're just learning, that's weird. So you don't, I don't think, get attached as quickly as if you kind of just start off in a lounge or somewhere like that. That's, I, I had my, I think I had my first one when I was twenty one, twenty two. Um, a friend of mine's dad smoked cigars, so he was like, "Hey, let's go smoke a cigar at uh, Razoo's off the tollway." Okay. And I was like, all right. What I do would I, think. I'm like, what do I get? I had no clue. I would just walk into a cigar shop and and uh, and they were like, here, I think you would like this one. That's a good question, though. I, I, if you said the first time I ever smoked a cigar, I was probably 27 or 28. Like a proper cigar, not a Swisher or some crap yeah. cigar. Like the first one, I was probably 27, 28 years old. We would go. We would go watch Dallas Maverick playoff games at Razoo's back when you could smoke mm-hmm. smoke a cigar inside a restaurant. I mean, that seems forever ago, doesn't it? But we would we would watch the back when the Mavericks first started getting good and started making the playoffs. All right, Evan has confirmed. We can officially say the Black Ritos are for sale. So, if y'all want to take our advice. And try out what is probably going to be the best cigar you ever smoke in your life. At least a top three minimum. Now, you know what? I've yet you to still smoke it. one. Really? I've got three sitting in my humidor at home. I have yet to uh, crack one open. They're, they're <laughs> phenomenal. I That's think what I've, I hear. I think I've smoked three or four now at this point. <laughs> I know Pops was really pissed because I had smoked more than he had smoked because <laughs> he left them in here for all the members and didn't save enough for himself. Yeah, sometimes and it so happens. So I have a feeling he probably did not make that same mistake this time. So I would tell everybody there's a lot of people that missed out on that cigar last time, and they just came in this morning. So don't sleep on it. Trust us on this one. You can thank us later, but... That's the one you want to get. What are you smoking on over there, my man? Right here, I have a, a Bandolero Red Label. And the thing about to me about the Red Label is the sweetness you're going to get here on the back end right after you blow the smoke out. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not a raisiny type sweetness. A little more frosted flake. It could be a little bit more frosted flake, maybe a little less sugar. But, uh... But I love the way that uh, I think, to me, the Bandolero quality for price is probably the best value you're going to get here in the humidor. I, I think it's a top 
It's it's in the top tier for sure. Another cigar made by Nelson Alfonso. Right. <laughs> so I mean, you can see the commonalities here. If Nelson Alfonso, Luciano Morales, any of those guys that are making a cigar, that's why they're highly curated. They're that's the top notch. Everybody wants to talk about go get a Cuban, go find a Cuban. You want to smoke something just as good, if not better. Go grab you a Alfonso. Anything that he puts out, anything Luciano puts out, I mean, all phenomenal. Stuff. You don't need you don't need the Alec Bradleys or you know Rocky Patel. I know you really like the acids, but I don't. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> and see, this is probably my favorite thing to do. See, Josh and I have this like amazing banter. Like, I love nothing more than to like walk into the humidor and hear Josh around the corner or something pitching somebody on a cigar and then i just make backhanded comments on the side he's always giving me uh, reinforcement positivity yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I try to really encourage him and let him know how good he's Garrett doing. will really help out those cigar sales if you're ever in the humidor world. yeah yeah I, I'm, I'm probably the number one pusher that helps boost those sales although you say that but i got ben daly and chris smoking smoking alfonso's now I mean, I moved them on up. I mean, I, I probably should be getting a little kickback from that because I mean, from I elevated the, their cigar game by you know significant price point. That's, that's, he's he's one that I know that uh, that his palace definitely changed within the last year or so. He's he's growing in his cigar journey, which everybody does. It's just like the spirit journey we talk about too. Your palate's going to change over time, and what you love to drink ain't necessarily probably what you're going to end up drinking in the end. Is you're gonna find other things, and you're gonna go down different lanes. It's part of the journey. That's what's fun about trying those things, though, too. All right, Evan would like to know: Is there anybody out there but Evan asking any other question? Well, yeah, I mean, Debbie and Evan are kind of like tag teaming you on here, right? Oh, now. that figures. Lathan's here, but you know, being Lathan, he's being a little quiet. I was really hoping some of my family would jump on to have a little bit more you, audience. You might uh, have some more on here. There was somebody else I saw a minute ago before. If there, we got if some on YouTube, but they're not commenting just yet. Yeah, yeah. So you also had a Nikki Contreras. Yeah, it's my sister-in-law. All right, she says hello. <laughs> She's excited you're on here. Let's see. Uh, yeah, yeah. She's a... She's a California transplant. Evan and Debbie are taking over the show. What's Evan on now? Josh, we are your family. Oh, see, see, Debbie, we would maybe believe you. I mean, I would because you know, not all of us have even got to meet you yet. I mean, we feel like we've known you forever now at this point, (laughs) but not all of us have got to meet you yet. Matter of fact, last time somebody I won't name names promised that if I showed up at a certain time. We would get introduced, and then I would get to meet this Debbie that I've heard so much about. And then he stiffed me for an early brunch. So, um, yeah, maybe next time when you're in town, um, we'll, we'll actually get to meet you. Debbie. sure? Because yeah, there's two Debbies. There's Evan's Debbie, mm-hmm. and then there's my Debbie, too. I said Debbie, not Deborah. Same thing. <laughs> She's going to be pissed at you on that one. Hey, you told me. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, how else would I have like just pulled that out of the thin air? Although, if you do come to ICC, we're all family. Exactly. So, Evan would like to know, what did he ask you a second ago? He asked a good question. He wants to know what the word success means to you. Man, that's what, he, they, that's what they say on the bad words 
podcast. Well, that's what he wants to know. I got to ask the question. Uh, fans ask for the questions. I'm going to put it out there. It's, it's going to be... Success and happiness to me go pretty much hand in hand. Um, money isn't a, a big deal to me. Um, do I have my family? Um, are my kids happy? Are is my family taken care of? Yeah, and that's probably um, the number one definition of success to me. Is it is my family taken care of? Number two is going to be my friends. Yeah. Or my friends taken care of. Um, uh, you know, you don't, you don't need a lot of friends, but you, if you have those close group of friends that you can count on and uh, they can count on you, that's a lot of success to me. I agree. Uh, that's, I mean, I don't know that I would change or add much to that. I, I think success is putting yourself in a position where you can you can take the chances in life that you want to take and that you have the time to do so. And time t- to me is your biggest asset because you don't know how much you have. You don't know when that clock stops. So if you can do things to put yourself in a position to have more time to do the things you want to do and you live a lifestyle that allows you, you know, like, like you said, money's not everything. Money's nice. Money can help you do some of those things, but you can also live within your means. And some of the people that have very little are completely content with what it is they have and they don't need. Man, you just, other. you just said something just now, um, taking a chance in life. It took me a long time to, uh, to take a chance. I went, a long time just kind of going through the motions being comfortable and everything was all right and then and then boom i'm working at industrial cigar company that i never in my wildest dreams thought i would ever get a job here and yeah um which led to uh me going to the patoro lounge in switzerland i like i would never would have gotten a, a chance to do anything like that let alone them being closed on a Monday and their owner opening up his lounge and kitchen to me and my wife just because that I'm involved with industrial cigar company. Yeah. So, um, yeah, don't be afraid to take that chance. You know, I was just working, just going through life and decided to take a chance on something completely different than I ever thought would be possible. And I'm having the time of my life. It's fun. Yeah, man. I mean, it's good. And you can tell, too. That's one of the things I love about up here is, like, and it's nice, too, when you guys are, like, off work and you get to take the shirt off and, you know, come back and hang out with everybody. Oh, yeah. It's, and and it's, that, like, it's totally different. You get to, uh, you know, you have conversations when you work here and there, but they're limited to, like, five minutes or less. Yeah. Because you've got a job to do. Yeah. And then, uh, and then sitting back here and get to know them on a more personal level, which it's, it's fun. And then, you know, coming into work and seeing the same faces and, you know, like our banter or, or Ty's banter or anything like that. And it's, 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 yeah, the mayor of ICC come rile him up. It's, uh, it's fun. It's, it, it really is. 
Yeah, I mean, I've said it a lot too. I mean, you got to kind of find another place that you can, you know, whether that's a country club or a cigar lounge or your bar, you know, people got to have those other outlets and put themselves in, you know, the thing I love about cigar lounges you get all these different walks of life in here and people that do all kinds of different things from people that are just really happy and loving and living life. And then you got people that are super successful and many different facets and you just, you're constantly learning something. You're yeah, constantly just having a good conversation. In the last two months, um, I, I've, I've seen two or three guys who had never met each other before come together, be great friends, and now they're um, they're doing business deals and stuff together. Yeah. And uh, and now they're they're pretty good friends. So like never would have happened with what we're holding our hand. Kind of like that Evan guy we used to all be really good friends with that's kind of disappeared that sneaks out the back all the time now to FaceTime. And yeah, but he Spotify uh, playlist. He learned that from the Frakes family. They are the, <laughs> they are the best at it. He learned the Copperfield <laughs> disappearing act that they all are specially trained on. And I uh, and I know I've said this to um, the the people that work here now, uh, aside from uh, the the new people that um, I don't think that I ever would have hung out with in high school. Um, but it's Ted, Mike, Joseph, myself. Like, I don't think we would have hung out in the same circles. Right. But now, like, getting to know these guys, it, yeah. like, the more that I un- try to understand Ted, the less I know or try to understand Ted. Ted is a super <laughs> unique individual. And I, I didn't know how many of the same circles Ted and I ran around in in the music scene back in the day. I didn't know how attached to that Ted was. And it's... Everybody has their own, you know, unique mm-hmm. unique set from uh, from Mike's side hustle to, to Joseph's vast knowledge in the cigar and tobacco. To me, just being the resident goofball and, you know, doing what I do. So it's really fun up here, and it's going to get even more exciting here in the next couple weeks. Well, we got to say hi to your wife now. Apparently, your wife's on here, too. At least that's what Evan's reporting. I haven't seen her pop up yet here, but we're going to make sure we say hello. Hopefully, she's on here enjoying enjoying listening to you spill the beans. You bet. we'll, We'll try to keep you on track. We, we, we won't try to dive off too deep, too far. But yeah, there, I mean, there's every facet of different people up here that do different things. And again, I think you'll find, especially in an atmosphere like ICC, that even if you're a person, because I've seen this with people that aren't real good conversation starters or people that would kind of just stay in their hole. Mm-hmm. That's almost impossible to do around here. Oh, yeah. Because people are going to come up, shake your hand, say hi, sit down, ask you what you're smoking, what you're drinking, you know, had- want to have a conversation. And, and it's going to, it will help you grow as a person too of starting those conversations having started, and having those conversations because you're going to learn so much more and have those interactions. I was, I was scared to come in here. I was, I didn't know anybody. I barely knew anything about cigars. And um, Pops had a, I will say, like a Facebook Cigar Newbie 101 yeah, thing. Yeah, Cigar Newbies. And, um, and he said he was going to host something on a Friday night. Well, I, I tend to work uh, Friday night high school football games. And it just 
coincided with it was going to be halftime. So uh, I logged in, and lo and behold, it was kind of like a, like a Zoom meeting type thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, what did I do? And it was, it was Pops, it was Mark McClurkin, and it was me. And, and Pops was like, have we met you before? And I was like, no, just always grab and go. And he wanted to know, like, well, how come you've never come in and sat down? I was like, I'm scared. Like, I don't know anybody. I barely know anything about cigars. And he was like, well, why don't you just come into a Saturday at the shop and introduce yourself? And I'm like, okay. So I came in on that Saturday, introduced myself to Pops and Brandon. Um, Pops, I think, handed to me a Koshan. And so I started smoking on that. And then Mark kind of like took me to the back of one of the high tops and just started, you know, explaining tobacco, part of the plant, all that. Yeah. And I was like, okay. So then I started coming back and noticed the culture that they've established here that like, if you want to sit by yourself, you can sit by yourself. That's no problem. Yeah. But if you don't, there are going to people that draw you into the conversation like, hey, come sit with us. Or like, hey, uh, hey, we've got some whiskey. Do you uh, you drink whiskey? You want some? And people yeah. are like, sure. And then they just go sit next to somebody they've never met before. And then before you know it, they're exchanging business cards. And, and then they just see each other every day up here. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember when I first met Pops, like I I was the same as you. I I would come in here and grab some cigars every now and then. I had a client that really liked a certain cigar. I don't even remember what it was now. Um, but it wasn't something ICC carried, but there was the, I don't know what the cigar shop's even called. It's over off like Frankfurt and the Tollway, kind of behind the Texaco there, if I remember correctly. Um, or maybe it's Park. I think it's Park. Anyways, regardless. Oh, there used know. to be a Sir Elliot's over at like Park and the Tollway. I think that's what it is. <laughs> Some, it's the only like reason that. I know I, this, I still have the cutter. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think you're right. But, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I remember in, you know, I was in the whiskey groups, and that was where all my knowledge was. And, you know, I came into ICC, and, you know, I'd grab some sticks, and then I saw with someone say whiskey that they were doing the Frankie Blue Eyes deal, and I started getting on some of the lives. And I remember it was a Saturday at the shop or something, and Pop said something about the Frankie, and he was talking about something else, and, I think I made a Nebraska joke or something, you know, just messing with me. Like, yeah. You know, that's how I am. If, I, if I'm not messing with you, I probably don't like that, you. I'm you know, the same I, way. I got to talk a little shit or something. And I remember I said something, and I had my laptop on, and I was sitting at the, like, breakfast table. Sarah was cooking some stuff, and I'm watching this podcast. She's like, what are you listening to? And all of a sudden, she was, she's like, who is this guy talking trash to you? Because, like, <laughs> I, I put it out there. I mean, I started it. She just didn't see it because I typed it, you know? Like, I typed a comment. Well, then she's hearing him start blasting me back, and you know how Pops is. He just rolled. I, I was the same way. I started watching their Tuesday and Saturday podcast, and I was just – commenting on stuff and they would recognize my name but they had no idea who yeah. i was because i would never come in and sit yeah what do you think some of the best or maybe what's a good life lesson or maybe something you've picked up on from the lounge either working with the franks or the people you've worked around or with the um, family number one uh they're pretty tight-knit family they're very uh family. uh for sure um a cigar can be a very good conversation starter. Um, if you uh, 
like I said, if you want to sit by yourself, fine. If not, uh, pick up a cigar, sit down at the lounge, and sure enough, yeah, they even have gonna... events for that. I mean, they have the. I mean, I'm sure it's coming back soon because people keep asking about. It, but they do a Wednesday wind down. Yep. Where <laughs> no technology, no, no technology, no talking. Like they just, you kind of. I think they do it in this room that we're in, and just kind of. Lights are going to be down low. Have your glass of wine. Have your cigar, and it's just you and your thoughts. It's uh that we've got a pretty good group of people that are up here uh, almost every day, and it's you know I'll have my one or two cigars, relax. It's time to go home. It was time to go home. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a. I mean, I can't say enough good things about. It. I mean, I think everybody should try it, and at least you know. I mean, this is a place where, I mean, there are women up here smoking cigars. There are guys up here smoking cigars. I mean, it's the, uh, it's not like some of these other places you walk into and you feel like you're in a frat house or right. you know, something like that. that it's that, a that's, totally different atmosphere. I guess it goes back to biggest life lesson for me is don't be afraid to take that chance. Don't be afraid to actually jump and do something, you know. Um, you know, you hear a lot of, you know, I'm sure friends that will be like, Hey, I want to do this. I want to do this. Yeah. And they say it for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. And I and I think I never pulled the trigger. I think being up here is giving me the confidence to if I want to do something, then I better do it now. Yeah. And you know, on that note, I think this is a good time to bring this up and talk about this for a minute. So excuse me for pausing the show for a minute, but we have a really important event. You guys have seen me start tagging it now that we have stuff locked in. And I, I want to do some promotion for this now as it's coming together. And you guys will be the first to know about it. And you'll I'm going to create an event calendar this weekend. We're going to get this posted up and whatnot. But I have a very, very good friend of mine that helped me get my health back in check years ago and started out as my trainer became a very close friend of mine his name's naz and naz is got a amazing wife Kristen, that i'm going to be working together with on some stuff and he's got a little boy jackson that's three three and a half years old at home and naz has recently discovered that he has stage four prostate cancer so He's fighting the big fight, just like you guys saw my post recently as well for our good friend Jim Trader. He as well, stage four. I'm not sure what type of cancer his is. Not that that matters, but, you know, he's doing the same thing. And, you know, unfortunately for Jim, he's even in a worse situation right now because they've labeled him disabled while he's going through his treatment. So he can't earn a living and provide for his family and himself while he's going through this. How old is he? Biz, do you know? I don't know how old Trader is. I I don't know how old Jim is. I don't know how old he is either. Not that that even really matters. But, you know, Naz, I'm going to say Naz is... Don't kill me, Naz, if you hear this or see this. But I'm going to say 47, maybe 48. I know he's just a few years older than me. So, I mean, we're talking about a young man that's taking care of himself his whole life. You know, he's got a young family, um, whatnot. And, you know, unfortunately, I don't have the time and resources to help everybody. I'm trying to. But, um, you know, with Naz, 
I've been working with some of my other friends, and we're going to put on a real special event and try to raise some money for him and so that he doesn't have to worry about whether or not he can train somebody that day or whatnot, whether or not he can afford his supplements, his medicine, whatnot. You know, I mean, yes, he has insurance. Insurance is great, but that shit doesn't pay for everything. And he's still got to earn a living and be able to provide for his family. So in order to try to help with that, we're going to do a big badass event. It's going to be Saturday, March 30th. We invite any and all of you that are here in DFW to come out. It's going to be at my friend J.R. Munoz's bar in Deep Elm called Will Call. If you guys have not been to Will Call, this is a phenomenal establishment with great food, amazing bartenders. Shout out to Bill, JR. These guys are going to be back there serving you guys drinks. Um, They've got a big sound room and stuff, and we're going to bring in bands, and it's going to be an all-day event. I mean, we're going to do a silent auction, so if you are part of a company or have a service or something and you would like to donate something that could be auctioned off to help raise money here, please DM me, reach out to me. If you have a band or are musically inclined and you like to perform, um, reach out to me. The slate is filling up pretty fast. I don't think... I may not have any more room for bands at this point if the rest of them confirm right now, but um, those of you that grew up here in DFW and are roughly our age, if you guys remember a band called South FM, fronted by Paco Estrada... Paco has agreed to donate a set and come out, and he's going to play for us. I think he's just going to do an acoustic set, which should be really awesome. So there's no telling what he's going to play between his old stuff, his new stuff, his solo stuff. I mean, if you've never heard Paco, man, he is an amazing singer-songwriter. He's written songs for a ton of the big bands that you guys all know and love. You know, one that comes to mind is one of my favorite bands, Nothing More. Paco's written with them, with Johnny from Nothing More, and collabed with them. So, like I said, this is, they open at noon. We're going to start setting up around 2 o'clock or so. We'll get the first bands playing. Um, It's probably going to be lighter on the bands earlier in the day. And then we're going to have a couple do some acoustic sets towards the end. And, you know, we're going to close it out with Paco. So, you guys come out. Enjoy Deep Ellum. Enjoy the day. We're going to have it all set up for you guys. Um, In order to come in, you know, there's going to be no cover. We're going to have, whether it's Naz's Venmo or whatever set up, we're going to set that up so that, like, when you come in, you decide what you want to donate. You know, whether you could donate five bucks, ten bucks, whatever, and donate it like you're paying a cover charge because we can't obviously just charge a flat out cover because. JR obviously has regulars and customers that are going to be coming in there, and he's just donating the space. And he's even going to graciously match and donate some from himself based on how much drink and food is bought. So, I mean, this is hopefully going to turn into a really good, awesome event where we're really going to be able to help Naz and his family get through this tough time. So that's all I'm going to say about that for right now, but I want to throw that out there. So that's coming, and we hope you guys will support that event, come out to it be a great time hell maybe we'll even podcast from out there for a little bit or something or you know maybe one of the things we put up there is uh we're gonna do a podcast just to uh 
maybe we'll offer one up auction off somebody wants to come be on a podcast and support or promote whatever it is they do pretty fun maybe we'll do that yeah i mean it's a good time <laughs> i provide cigars and drinks and we can just sit down and shoot the shit have a good time well now that he's brought the room down now that i brought the room down yeah sorry yeah it's a very sensitive touchy subject to have to talk about and to be a part of but when when your friends need your help your friends need your help so you know we're gonna we're gonna do whatever we can to help ease that burden and help them and you know hopefully everybody can help mr trader out as well i've shared those links hopefully you guys can jump in on that too and one of the things I am going to auction off up there and have a part of is we're also doing something for Naz. Um, it's going to be a personal gift to him. Um, if anybody else wants to get in on that as well, we're going to do Biz and I's time to sit down with him and capture his story and let him do a story for you know Jackson and stuff like that that you know he'll always have to hold on to and cherish. No, so. That's pretty neat. If anybody wants to be a part of that or donate to that cause as well, we'll have some links for that later on too. So stay tuned to the Facebook. You guys will be able to see that stuff on there too. All right. What do you want? Let, let, let's change it up. We've got real serious and down there. Yeah, for a man. So, that's, yeah, serious well, quick. Let, let's, uh, any of y'all got questions for Josh or you guys want to throw some stuff out there? Questions you have for us that you want to talk about? Throw it out there. I, I guess music. What did you listen to growing up? Music? Oh, man, I'm a smorgasbord of music. Uh, music is kind of what mood I'm in. You can totally tell if I want to be messed with or not based on what you hear me playing in my office, probably. <laughs> I know my guys know if they hear Chevelle playing, don't come bother me. Oh, yeah? You know, that's a, you know if I'm woo-sawing listening to some of my... Um, one of my buddies called, he's like, he's like, man, why are you so angry all the time? Like, why do you listen to all this angry music? I'm like, it ain't angry, <laughs> man. It's just aggressive. Like, but yeah, I mean, I listen to everything, man. I mean, well, what about, I grew what, up with like my up. dad listening to like the Oak Ridge Boys and stuff like that, and the Beach Boys, yep. and I, I'm in the same boat. And then my mom was more the like rebel and like rocker. You know, my mom got to see Led Zeppelin live, and my mom's listening to you know we're, my mom was getting us into credence and muddy and you know Haggerty this, and fogarty and to this day i could not tell you at what at all what my mom's music taste is whatsoever really i could uh, maybe throw out the beatles i guess but no clue we weren't really a music family i know when we would go out to the deer lease it would uh it would be like the oldie station or just straight country. Yeah, my dad was more the country. So, like, my dad would listen to country. And my dad loved gospel music and stuff like that. Um, my mom, though, man, my mom, we'd road trip with my mom and stuff when we were kids. Going to see my grandparents. So my dad traveled a lot when we were kids. My, uh, um, so, we listened to everything. We used to make fun of it. We called him Rod Stewart because me and my brother hated <laughs> Rod Stewart. My mom... Probably, like most people's moms that grew up around our age frame, like Rod Stewart and Michael Bolton, if I never hear another Michael, Michael Bolton, Bolton or Rod Stewart song in my life, I think I'd be okay. Um, the, the uh, I had a, a great friend of mine, great, like, friends of the family, my family. Uh, he had an older brother that was two years older than me, 
and and usually my musical taste would ever stem from what he was uh what he was listening to um the guns and roses appetite for destruction is probably the very first that i i remember that i really got into okay um aerosmith was probably mine in that i never was really big aerosmith fan i got into aerosmith pretty hardcore like toys in the attic uh, i wore beastie that out. boys permanent vacation i wore that out beastie boys um and then my parents messed up and bought me a cassette tape, like a mixed cassette tape once for Christmas. And it had NWA, Slick Rick, um, Kid and Play, like all these like rap groups I never heard of. And that's what got me into rap. Now, it was the edited version. So when I heard Shred out of Compton for the first time, how it was supposed to be played, uh-huh. I was kind of taken back. And then, uh, <laughs> so I listened to I listened to that early '90s, 90s. rap. Um, Is that what you listen to today? Like, what do you like? What if you went and hit shuffle on like recently played? Like, what do you, what do you? Oh right man, now? I am I'm all over the map. If you just hit shuffle on my Spotify playlist, you're gonna get. Big X the plug, and the very next song you're gonna get Parker McCollum. Yeah, uh, that's the, probably what mine would do right now. You're gonna get Parker McCollum. You're gonna get Wade Bowen. You're, you're gonna switch over, and you're gonna get nothing more. You're gonna get Tool. You're gonna get some Five Finger Death Punch. Then you're gonna get like a bunch of '90s rap mixed in with all that. I mean, you're probably gonna get some <laughs> Chef Raekwon right now. Little Wu Tang. Dude walked in here one time when I was doing Fresh Friday, and he he he. Begged me to play Five Finger Death Punch. <laughs> who did? For this crowd? I don't know who the hell it was. I don't know. He, uh, wouldn't, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't leave me alone. I said, you know what, dude? I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do you a solid. It was early, though, so it wasn't when you really nobody yeah. here. Yeah. I, I wouldn't really go over well in here. You oh, know. hell no. If I'm boxing, I want rap music. And it's basically to keep the rhythm of the boxing combinations. Okay. Um, that makes sense. Uh, right now, listen to a, a local guy um, that I'm, I'm hoping he blows up because I love his stuff named uh, Rincon. His, uh, his name is Alex Rincon. He goes by Rincon. That, uh, love his stuff. Um, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I think about it. Post Malone was a local guy at one time. Yeah. Yeah. About uh, a great You know, uh, Yellow Beezy. You know, this. Oh. <laughs> I you can't d- get down with the Yellow Beezy. Just, nah, I ain't gonna tell any stories about Yellow Beezy. Uh, grew up uh, U- UGK, uh, Swisher yeah. House. There you go. Uh, Some Run the Jewels, baby. That's no, the other one. No, you're get no by. limit. Yeah, Run the Jewels too. Like uh, anything like that when I'm boxing, that's good. And then usually, if I'm going to the gym, it'd be more rock music to get myself hyped up. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, you hit shuffle and it's country music. Um, if you come to industrial anytime that I open up the shop, you know I'm working because it will be on red dirt country music no matter what. That is until one of the Frakes family steps into the building. You know Pops steps two feet into this building and you know he's here. Yes, because now he, we're hearing funk. If Brandon's here, we're going to get some reggae or something. FKJ is But, hey, I've had some people come up to me and be like, love your music choice today. Yeah. I'm like, 
Thank you. If Joseph's both, both here. Of them. Both <laughs> of them. If Joseph's here, you're going to think it's either Grady's here or Joseph's here by himself because we're going to get Michael Bublé and Frank Sinatra mixed in with oldies unless he's just feeling funky. And Did, then Joseph's going to maybe throw it on like the hip hop station or something. And different. that's one of the. Uh, one of the things me and my wife had in common when we first started dating was live music. I can go anywhere and listen to anything live. Right. I, I don't care if I'm it's country. Way. I don't care if it's rock, acoustic, yep. anything. And there was a good, I would say three or four years with nothing on my playlist was Red Dirt Country from Pat Green, Corey Morrow, Blue yeah. Edmondson, Randy Rogers. I didn't know about Red Dirt Country until Mark McClurkin turned me on to the... Uh, what is it? The something something troubadours. Turnpike troubadours. Turnpike troubadours. troubadours. I didn't know anything about that. Yeah, dude. and he educated me. And then that. the uh, and then Yellowstone got real big. Yeah. And uh, of course Ryan Bingham is um, one of the actors on there, and there's a bunch of Texas music on there. And yep. All right, Colin. If you'd actually been play paying attention or got on here, you know when we start the show, you'd know what we were smoking. But I'm smoking. A Liga number one that Panda hooked me up with. It's Cuban based. Probably illegal. Probably, but you know, can't confirm or deny any of that. And Josh is smoking a Bandolero, so that's what we're smoking on right now. And then I've got the Bandolero he's smoking on is what I'll probably smoke next. And then you've got a principal Virtuola. Virtuola. So that's that's what we're smoking on. And Hunter would like you to tell us about your trip to Switzerland, which I think is an excellent trip to talk about. Oh. One of those things where you never know who you're going to meet at ICC, and then you end up taking a vacation, and you find out that the people you meet here are truly family and treat everybody like that here. And Dr. Pablo is one of those guys that, man... So, yeah, I guess I, I mentioned, so I mentioned earlier. about Switzerland. So, um, first of all, I got to say how I made my way to Switzerland was via Germany. My younger brother um, got asked to be the offensive line coach for the Stuttgart Surge for the uh, European Football League. Now, that's not soccer. <laughs> That's American football that they bring a certain amount of Americans over to play. And um, his best friend, Jordan, got the head coach for the surge and asked him if he would come help out in Germany um, for the football team, which they went from, I think, being winless to going to the championship game last year. So we went over there to go visit him in Germany. And I asked Brandon, I go, Hey, uh, how, how far is the Patoro Lounge from Stuttgart? He was like, I don't know. Look it up. So it was, <laughs> I would say it's around a three to four hour trip. Um, each way? No, oh, yeah, definitely each way. Okay. So, uh, and then I was like, man, I don't know. It might be too far. Um, which one of the guys from German Engineered Cigars? And he's like, I think one of them lives in Stuttgart. Well, um, so Brandon hooked me up with Pablo from Patoro, and we had one day where we didn't have anything planned, and it was a it was a Monday, and um, me and Pablo were going back and forth, and he was like, "Okay, come Monday afternoon, we'll have lunch." I was like, "All right, cool." Like maybe he was gonna 
take me around the town or whatever in Switzerland. He's like, meet me at the Patoro Lounge. I can't remember the name. Um, so drive to Switzerland. Now it says three or four hours, but you're driving on the Autobahn. And, <laughs> and thank God my wife was asleep at the time because I was having a hell of a time in that rent car. And I was still getting passed by people. I got to say, Germans are probably the most, most courteous drivers out there. Okay. So, so we get there at about two and a half, three hours, I think. And um, the lounge, I see that it's closed on Mondays. I was like, darn. So I go up and I knock on the door. I say, hey, I'm here to meet Pablo. And, and there was a nice gentleman there. And he was like, I'm, I'll call him. Yeah, it, we, we know that you're arriving. I was like. You do? He was like, he's like, yeah. Let, let me go show you where y'all are sitting. So you go up a couple of stairs, and it's like a almost like a courtyard, just flush with flowers, ivy, uh, and awning, and they've got plates and wine glasses set out there. I go, where the hell am I? Like, okay. So yeah. Pablo comes. We're not in Frisco, Texas. No, we're anymore. definitely not in Frisco, Texas. So Pablo comes. Um, I, I meet him. Um, I think I've met him before, but only for a few seconds. Um, he introduces himself to my wife, and um, we see a guy walk into a separate building. Is a kitchen. Well, that turned out to be his his chef for their lounge. And Brandon told me was, I think that guy was like a two-star Michelin chef. Wow. I'm like, oh, okay. So we sit down. They bring out food, and it's it probably the best food that I ate in the whole trip. Wow. I mean, it was a southern Italy, multi-coast type meal, the wine, everything. Um, and then he brings out a... Um, a Patoro uh, Brazilian cigar that we sit and smoke. Um, and then, oh, I'm so jealous. And then right he now. and then he asked me, "Hey, would I like any whiskey or bourbon?" I say, "Sure." And and a waitress brings out uh, some whiskey and and uh, I was like, "Man, well, this is good. What is this?" And the chef was like, "The Mictors. You like? But yeah, this is good stuff." Can we get this back in America? I had no idea. Yeah. He was like, yeah, Kentucky. Like, okay. So come to find out that that lounge is closed on Monday. And he had his, he had his workers and his chef come open up the, the cafe just for us. Technical. Gotcha. Keep rolling, Josh. We're listening to you. So... He opened up the the kitchen and the lounge just for me and my wife. And that never would have happened if I wasn't involved at, here at ICC. Um, he showed us around the kitchen. Um, there's, a, there's a place where you go upstairs that they have mirrors that you can look down to see the guy cooking. And then they kind of have a, a, a private area where you can go downstairs and eat. And... Um, each chair looks like the back of a, uh, it, the back of the chair is a shape of a tobacco leaf in like in purple velvet. This place is amazing. So then he was like, you want to see the lounge? Sure. 
walk into the lounge and it's small but it's beautiful everything there is immaculate and then uh you walk into their humidor and their seating area is actually inside their humidor what it's and it's only about six or seven chairs but you, they they have around i think he said 400 members or so and you have to make reservations for the kitchen. You have to make reservations to come sit at the lounge. Um, they have all their cigars. And I think they have the cigars they're affiliated with their factory with. Uh-huh. And then, uh, and then he has in a case one of the uh, one of the watches that the watch company that those he are sick. <laughs> those are sick. And then I wanted one really badly, and then I saw the price tags on them, and Correct. I was like. Woo. I was afraid to That's touch out of my league. I was afraid to touch anything in there. I can only imagine. Pablo does not play around. Like that dude is first class, top notch. Oh, so it gets even better. Everything. So then his chef takes us to another building where he where they kind of sell some things out of that building, the uh, food related. So um my wife was like, I, I really love the red pepper flakes that you had um on the pasta. And he just hands my wife a jar of red pepper flakes. And she was like, how much? No, no, no. You take. Like, we're here to get free things. Like, we'll pay for it. Yeah. And then they start talking. And then um, my wife is a lover of all tea. And they start talking about tea. And he goes over and pulls out some tea from this cabinet. And says, here, here you go. She's like, I can't take this without, um, without paying for it. No, no, no. You take so then we go back over to the lounge, and sitting on their bar is a Patoro bag. And in that bag is, is a box of Patoro cigars that we don't sell here at ICC. There was a uh, Patoro hat, and I think there was uh, something else in there. And I was like, how much do I owe you? No, nothing. And I go, I, I didn't come here to get free things. I was like, more than willing to pay for it. Here's the credit card. No, I can't let you do that. And I go, I I really appreciate it. Here's the credit card. No, take it. And I go, okay, who who am I to argue? Like, sure. And and, and we met one time. It might have been for five seconds. And the way he opened his doors to uh, me and my wife is amazing. He's, he's a great dude, man. I've enjoyed I've done two or three private events here with Pablo, and every one of them's absolutely amazing. So, so the next time that, that he comes to Frisco, I've, I've got to get him something that, that either is Frisco-related or, yeah. or Texas-related to like that uh, he can't go back empty-handed next time that yeah, little, he shows up to the lounge. little Southern hospitality back, back at him. Absolutely. Did he, did he make you do the Ash thing? No, he didn't. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. So this was the craziest thing. I'm sitting with him in a VIP member thing, and I forget which one of his cigars they're smoking, but it burns so clean that the ash has a salt-ish taste to it. Like one I of have his heard, I have heard the story. Puts the ash on his steak, and will eat. The steak with cigar ash, and you can literally take that Toro and like dab your finger on the ash. 
Is that a particular Patoro cigar, or is it all of them? I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't want to answer that. You have to ask Brandon. He can tell you yeah. for sure. I know Brandon knows the answer to that. That just but sounds weird. You, you can totally do that. You can, like, taste the ash. And I, I thought they were just messing with everybody at first. I was like, all right, joke's on up. We're, <laughs> we're licking ash off our cigars. Like, no way. No. True, true. Do, do you remember the first time me and you met? Yeah. It was in this room. It was in this room. Yeah. It was, uh, I got a, I remember that I, I got a ticket to the VIP for Darren Trophy from Principal Cigars. Yeah. And talk about being the most nervous guy in the room. I had no idea what the heck I was doing whatsoever. I think I had you to my right and Ron Hancock to my left. Oh, that's trouble right there. And uh, I think uh, Goodner was in there. I know Rob Goodwin was in there. And some other people I know that I it's And I was nervous as nervous could be. I was like, I was going to keep my mouth shut and my ears open, like, for sure. Well, don't feel bad. I've already ruined every one of those that you can possibly do. I'm the one that gets made fun of, like, did you hear about my whole T-shirt blunder? Were you here for my T-shirt? I was not. Oh, yeah. Darren's here for some big release, and when they're first talking about the stuff they're doing with Darren next door in the new space, and I wear T-shirts of all the different brands that I like and stuff like that. Yeah. All the time. I'm a T-shirt and jeans guy. And I put on a Patoro T-shirt that day. With my Patoro hat. And that's what I... I wore that to work. Legitimately. Wore it to work because I was just typing that day. And I was just having an office day. Well, we got done with the event and everything. And I went home, picked up Sarah, came up here. And here's the event. And I walk in and Pop looks at me. And he's like, what the hell is wrong with you? (laughs) Like, you know we're having an event with one of our other sponsors. Like... You're like here. You are with here. Somebody. You are wearing a Patoro T-shirt while we're entertaining Darren from Principal right now. You just know they started with a P. I I didn't plan my wardrobe based on who was coming <laughs> to the lounge and all that. I mean that was the furthest thing from I my did not mind know that in the morning when I was getting ready. Those guys gave me so much hell the whole time. I finally went up to Darren at one point and I'm like, Hey man. I didn't do this intentionally. Like, I wasn't trying to be rude or insulting or whatever. You know I love your cigars, blah, 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 blah. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, my T-shirt. He's like, who cares? It's a T-shirt. Does that really affect anything? I'm like, no, but I felt the need. The guy's been busting my balls all night. So I felt the need to come to apologize to you. Like, But all good, man. I was like... Get me a cool principal shirt. I'll wear it, too. That's one thing I love about uh, all the brand owners that step foot in here. Mm-hmm. You would think that they're a cigar brand owner. They're going to big time you. All they're going to do is spend time or talk to the owners, and that's farther from the truth. Absolutely. There's only been one cigar brand owner that I felt like did that in the three or so years I've been coming here. Yes, I, I all the ones that I've met. uh yeah. Take, take time and go out of the way to the not only talk to the members, talk to the staff too, yeah, get, get to know and them. Crux. And um, is it Jeff, I think his name's Jeff, guy from Crux. Sure, sure, right. okay. yeah, Jeff Hogan. Thanks, guys. Awesome, coming in clutch. Um, I mean, there's just there's so many really good brands up here, and again, 
How many lounges do y'all know that you can go in and then when you're sitting there smoking a cigar, you could be sitting next to Jamon or Darren or Luciano or Nelson Alfonso? Like now, my my lounge experience isn't that vast. The only other place that I've sat down in a lounge is in downtown Chicago. Well, you're ruined already. I can tell you that right now. And, I learned that the hard way. And um, got I got one of their house sticks in Chicago, and they. They unlocked the door, threw me into a lounge, and did not see one, uh, one worker after that whatsoever. Yeah. Pro- I, I take that back. When I was leaving, they said, see you later. And I go, sure, see you later. Like, I had no clue. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of cigar lounges are like dirty old bowling alleys that are where old men sit and read the newspaper and drink their coffee and smoke cigars. That's... When you travel, especially if you're fine. I mean, I'm not saying there's not nights lounges all over the world, but the majority of them are not like ICC or some of these higher end lounges that we're used to. No, and then you think of the uh, like old school lounges and movies, and you think of clouds of smoke, mm. old men, uh, fat old men sitting around, sitting there smoking, and nowhere near is that like here for sure. Yeah, like absolutely not. Couldn't be further from it. We'll work on that, Sarah. Now, now you got my wife wanting to go to Switzerland. I shouldn't have let you tell that story. It's a fun place. Switzerland is absolutely beautiful with uh, the trees, the river, the waterfalls. The it's pretty beautiful. Yeah, Mount, I got, haven't done much. Of you got there, the mountains, and then all the villages that are in the uh, that are in the valleys and everything. For I highly recommend it. Right on. Well, what are, what are you working on these days? What's your latest hobbies? What are you, what are you trying to work on right now? Um, going back to the uh, boxing right now, um, they're trying to convince me to actually get in the ring and have an actual fight. And the, the more I think about it, the more I'm almost convincing myself to do it. Um, I'll be 44 in March. I don't know what I'm going to do if I take a punch to the face. Um, they told me for what I do for a living anyway. It's just, just like that. So we'll see. I, I don't know. Maybe. Dudes, in their competition, do you, are you, you're still fighting with gear on, though, right? Yeah, you have, uh, I think it's a you 12. Still have a head, I think head it's a gear. 12 or 16 pound, or 6 pounds, 16 ounce headgear. Um, the age is, I think, 40 to 49. Okay. And I think they still have weight classes. They're called Masters Tournaments. Okay. And you, f- you fight like once or twice on a weekend. Um, but yeah, I'd, just, cool. just, just like the uh, triathlon stuff that I was talking about earlier, it might be the next challenge. Uh, we'll see. I just don't know if I could turn off the like rage. To like not and to be composed. Like to me, if you're fighting, you're fighting. Like there, there ain't a whole lot of uh, you know, what's the right word? Like you know, self control yeah. when you're in that moment. Right like, to be technically doing that, I think that would be intense. That would, that would be a whole different experience. That we'll we'll see. I don't know if uh, I don't know if that's one of my what goals. Think about that. I haven't really told her. <laughs> Uh-oh. No, no. Uh-oh. Well, it's out there for the world now. Josh uh, is going to become a professional fighter. There's no way. 
I think uh, I think she'd be okay with it as long as I just didn't get severely injured or uh, to have that doctor bill or or anything yeah, like that. Break your orbital. Richard Pryor or said this. He said, "Everybody think they can fight until they get hit." Yeah, same Mike Tyson. Everybody thinks they're a badass until they get punched in the face. Punched in the face, and it's like, oh, reality just set in. I think that's right, man. I really don't have anything that I'm that I know of. and I guess, uh, I guess with the beginning, God, I guess it's the summer now, middle of the summer. Um, uh, me and my wife started fostering English bulldogs. Um, when I first met my wife, um, we started talking about animals. Hey, do you want animals? And like, um, she she kind of grew up on a ranch outside of San Diego. She kind of had some horses, some goats, and whatnot. And I go, I'd like a dog. I go, I'd love a bulldog. And she was like, what's that? So she got on Google and like, these are the ugliest things that I've ever seen. <laughs> and I go, yeah, they are. But they suit my lifestyle. Like, just they, they don't run very far. They don't walk very far. So um, so then we ended up uh, rescuing one from a no-kill shelter. Uh, he lived to about 13. Got another bulldog probably four weeks after that. And a year after that, we got our second one. It was a girl. And then um, we've always been going to these Lone Star Bulldog Rescue events. Yeah. And she's like, I think I want to get into fostering. Okay. So finally, she filled out the stuff. They came to our house to check us out. Um, and then they said, hey, we have a dog for you. Like, okay. So we had one. And while my when my wife was so pick, now you have three. Hold on, I'm getting there. When my wife picked up this dog, the lady goes, "Will you take another one?" And she was like, "We've never fostered before. How about we do one first and see how it goes?" Two days later, we had another one. So now you have four. I'm getting there. <laughs> <laughs> and there's so many. Bulldogs in this rescue right now is that they don't have any place to put them. And right now their main vet is in Sulphur Springs that there's probably 12 at one time just at this, that this vet in Sulphur Springs wait for. What is it about bulldogs that everybody gives them up? I mean, it's Uh, not like a pit bull. They're, they are temperamental. They, they are stubborn as, as hell. And uh, so are boxers. Well, and they have a lot of medical issues. Uh, yeah. Um, bulldogs are like uh, genetic freaks almost, with the like just like pugs with the smushed in face, yeah. and um, they have a lot of hip, wrinkles, hip, and issues. they have a lot of weight issues. Um, they have a lot of eye issues, they're like eyelids are like folded into their eyes and everything. So, um, two turned into three. So at any given point, there could be just five bulldogs at my house if you if you come over to the house. We have gotten rid of a few, um, but the uh, some about bulldogs that are just lovable. They're I mean they're small tanks. Alex from Whiskey Workout. I just went and did family photos for him, and his brand new baby bulldog had had her own photo shoot. <laughs> That doesn't surprise me with Alex. 
I what mean, and now what we're seeing, I think um, a lot of the upticks in uh, people giving them up are people who got dogs during COVID that they thought that they were going to work either work from home mm-hmm. or that we were never going to go back to school or they were going to stay home all the time and now don't have time for them. Yeah. And now they are either giving them to shelters or giving them to rescues that just don't have time for them anymore. Biz, what are you working on, bro? We're going to talk about that at all right now? Man, I ain't got nothing going on. I'm just trying to make it to next month. I'm like Tupac. You always got something going on. I'm trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents. Wait, we ain't gonna talk about what you and Ryan doing or any of that yet. Nope, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. This is the we, most travel we, man we, here. We we changed it up yesterday. Uh, we, I mean, all that's still happening, but we came up with another concept that we had to add something to it. So that's actually going to be announced when it comes out. It's gonna, okay. It's going to hit you, and you won't know what it is. I don't know how to say that, but you you'll see it and don't even realize is what me and Ryan is doing until. A month or two into, you'd be like, "That was y'all." Boom, it'll hit. Look out for business album coming out here in the next oh, it few months. Ain't that. <laughs> it definitely <laughs> is not that right there, but no, man, I I am just silently sitting in the back of the bus and letting somebody else drive right now. <laughs> what about you, man? Besides all these fundraisers and aside from the fundraisers and stuff, I just recently <laughs> became partner at Element. Um, you ain't talking about it that yet. Oh, that's congratulations! Just, it just, just happened. It just happened. So it's well, actually official. I'm probably the first one saying it out loud. So you know that that just happened. You know I've been with this company for six. Tell the people at home Sarah, what Element you know? is. Sixteen years as in September now. Uh, Elements, my day job where I do construction sales for a multifamily GC. Um, you said you do partner, right? Yep. <clears throat> you hiring? <clears throat> uh, you know somebody in the human resources department, you know, just saying. Do you need an assistant? Yeah, because. Do I need an assistant? Brother needs a good paying job. We He's just hired hard. another sales guy. We're going to see how he kicks some things off. And yeah, if he. I'll carry your cigars for he, you. If he starts producing, then yeah, <laughs> there's going to be more opportunities development because that'll be when he brings on more workload, then that's. More project management. That's more estimating. Hey, don't play, man. I'm Scrum certified. So bro. I can project manage my ass off. So yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of that stuff coming down. I, the road, I did some surveying back when I was 18, 19 years old. Are we allowed to talk about those kind of surveys? Yeah, man. You were you were the guy at the mall chasing people with the clipboard. No, I was. Uh, I was. Me, ma'am, do you have a moment? I was out in the you field. Can get Twenty five dollar gift card, Chick Fil A, right now. The uh, the <laughs> first and second year, I was out of high school. I worked for Rodman Construction. Uh, at first, I was uh, I was helping a guy survey with the geometer. Uh, I built part of uh, the bush where. Uh, Coit goes over. Oh, where that bump where is the bu- Where Bush goes over Coit, that bridge right there. That, the speed bump that I always mess my car up. I, yeah. That was you? I yeah, helped, that was his survey. I helped, I helped survey that land. That uh, I helped survey some neighborhoods around Frisco and Plano and Allen. And then, um, and then my second summer out of high school that I was, uh, I was a laser guy. The elevation guy to tell them like where to cut the dirt or fill the dirt in, and yeah, I was kind of r- actually running, uh, kind of running a crew. Um, 
That shit sucks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't like the pro I'll tell you right now, I do not like the project management side of the business I'm in. Like you could not pay me enough. Hey, money if somebody if somebody did not show up, uh, I was the first one that would jump on a piece of equipment. Yeah. And um well, all, that is like herding cats, like you said, like the project. It's is, adult babysitting <laughs> with guys <laughs> that overcommit, overpromise, don't show up on time, start ghosting you, and you got to pull other guys in. You got to move shit around. It it's a headache, man. I I don't have the patience. Well, then it is exactly like for running that. a radio station, and then all your employees are your friends. Yeah. Actually, so I know exactly what you're talking about. And you did it for 13 years. Yeah, I mean, it, it's literally like herding cats and, you know, dealing with that. And, it, I, man, I can't do it. They made me run one job, one of the first jobs I sold to somebody that, thank God, is still my client today. Thank you, Christina. Um, they made me run this job. And these clowns we hired, and it's the only way we could get the job was using these new guys. And they had these smoking prices, right? So I sell this big job. This is the biggest job I'd sold at the time. I want to say this was like somewhere between sixty and one hundred twenty thousand dollar job, rebuilding all these little entry landings. And these dumbasses tried to weld their own T-bar flashing out of angle iron and almost caught a building on fire, welding up against it. And I mean, I'm out here on a Saturday dealing with stuff. I'm kicking these guys off the job. They're they're trying to change order me to debt. I mean, it was a nightmare. I told, I walked in and told my bosses, I was like, listen, I will do about anything y'all want me to do here at this company except project manage. Y'all ever make me run another project and I will turn in my notice as fast as you tell me I have to do that. Like, I'm not doing that. I was not cut out for this. Um, thank you, B. Um, but yeah, I, I can't do the project management side. I was I, I would uh, I was jumping in loaders. I was jumping in rock trucks. Uh, as Ed, uh, sometimes they they put me in a dozer that I here here's the controls, and I'm like, what? I've never done this before. And they're like, well, we need you today. And then um, every day that I was on the job, they were like. You better stay in school. You don't want to do this the rest yeah. of your life. And uh, it took me a while to finish school. That's a story for another time. But uh, <laughs> but uh, those guys that show up and run those equipment day in and day out, it's long, hard hours. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> the other thing to answer your question that I'm working on that I'm very passionate about, and we've talked about this a little bit on here, we are knee-deep in getting the other podcast off the ground. Whoa. Yeah, podcast number two. Another podcast. I, this is the first time hearing of this one. All right, so first time you're hearing about it. So it's all going to be around music. I'm a couple of weeks from having the logo done. As soon as the logo's done and we can send it off to be trademarked, then we'll start talking about this a little bit more. But that's a long, hard process to get that done. But Whenever you get Easy Jesus from Pimpadelic, I'll be front row. All right, I don't all right. know. You I, want I'm, easy Jesus. You know, I used to love Pimpadelic, but I got my back windshield of my 1970 Chevelle in 98 blasted out at a Trees concert because 
Easy Jesus decided to whip it out and pee on the crowd. So, and I had a Pimpadelic sticker. Like real talk? Like real talk, dude. Right in the middle of the show, he whipped it out and started peeing on the crowd. You want to know Did something? Did anybody beat the brakes off of Easy Jesus? Oh, there was damn near a full-blown riot. And like I said, I had a... You want to know something? With a Pimpadelic sticker on the back window, and someone threw a cinder block that they found on the side of the building right through the back of my windshield. I was at, that, I was at that show. I believe it. See, I ain't making this shit up. <laughs> I was, I Dude was at that show. Straight up, whipped it out and peed on the crowd. I've never seen anything like that in my life. Out of all the shows I've ever been, Pimpadelic was different. They, they're from Blue Mound. Those dudes just had it destined to ruin their own careers when they were blowing up. I mean, the, you know, there's all kinds of alleged. They got big out there for them. five minutes, and then. And, they just and then they destroyed themselves. Like, they ruined all their own opportunities. It wasn't that they weren't talented and they didn't have the ability to do it. They they self-destructed. They, I don't they, even know if he's still alive, to be honest with you. I, I don't either off the top of my head, to be <laughs> honest with you. I mean, there's a lot of big bands coming back out this year that are old groups getting back together that are... Same band sometimes, some with new members because people have passed, people have moved on in their lives. But, uh, I mean, I know for a fact there's, they just announced Slow Roosevelt's getting back together. Slow Roosevelt's playing with Mustard in, like, April 26 or something like that at Trees. That's going to be a phenomenal show. Um, Best show you've ever seen? What is it? Oh. That you remember. Based on what? Best performance? Best sounding? Just experience. Man, I'd probably say <laughs> seeing Tool for the first time. But nothing more, man. Like, their show's amazing. And, you know, man, that's so hard to say. I mean, I could talk about a lot of great shows. I mean, the probably the one that sticks out in my head is when I was a kid, my Parents went out for like the whole evening and had some big deal. And we had this super hot high school girl that was babysitting of us that lived a few street houses down. Well, was she colony Her, hot? No, she she was hot, hot. <laughs> and she um, apparently forgot that she had promised her boyfriend that she was going to go to a concert with him. Well, he, and I idolized this dude. This dude... Had long hair. He had a super bass system in that single cab, jacked up Toyota truck with the KC headlights on the rack, jacked up with some like thirty fives on it. Man, I thought this dude ruled. No, the he room. was he was killing it. He was killing it, bro. And he shows up and he's madder than hell. And he's like, "All right, well, fine. I guess Garrett's going with me." So I'm like, "Yeah, I'm in." I I think I was twelve. Who were we going to see? We went to Lollapalooza as a 12-year-old? 12-year-old. And I saw Tommy Lee play Spinning Upside Down in a Oh, it was that tour? The very first time he did that shit. And I watched. I mean, it's Dr. Feelgood. They're blowing shit up. Shit's being lit on fire. Explosions. Tommy Lee's playing out of his mind, spinning upside down and shit, and this contraption going out across the crowd. I'm losing my mind. There's some guy who works here who says he's friends with Tommy Lee. Yeah, it's but I but I ask him to FaceTime him every time he brings that up and he never has done it, so I don't know if he is or not. 
Yeah, well, maybe we should put it to the test again someday. Uh, most definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I want to see the stripes on it, but he has pulled <laughs> off some of his other claims. So that is true. That I'm is not true. Gonna, I'm not going to say he isn't, so you can keep riding that horse, but I want to be here if that happens. <laughs> I think mine is uh, the first time I saw Lincoln Park at the AAC. Uh, so that when they did the double they, CD it, live from Texas? Uh, no, that was at Texas Stadium. Okay, so, oh, so this was at AAC. Yeah, this is at AAC. I, uh, the, the, this, the vibe and the crowd and the music I thought was amazing. The other one, it was in a small venue in San Francisco when I saw a cross-Canadian ragweed play. Okay. That uh, we were standing in line. We we flew specifically to go see him play since they're a red dirt country band, and a guy asked me, "You can see him in Texas anytime you want. Why would you come to San Francisco?" And I was like, "Because there's probably going to be about a hundred people at the show, and that's about it." That in Texas they were like selling out venues and everything. Yeah. So those are the kind of shows that I love. Right on, man. That's cool. This. Yeah, what's your best top concert, best show you've ever seen? I'm looking at this online here. Uh, um, uh. Overall experience. If you say Erica Badu, I'm throwing my laptop at you right nah, now. Who? No, no. no a KO no. on his Erica Badu. <laughs> no. She just no. got her. She just got her own bus rap. You know she what? She got a lot, but um, you know, name me one song by Erica Badu that you know. I just know her hair. Yeah, exactly. She's oh had like God. one really good song. <laughs> no. That doesn't transcend just, across lots not, of other groups. You're just not into Erica Badu. <laughs> Erica Badu has, when you have Grammys and all that other stuff, you've had more than one good song. So what's your so favorite? So name them. What's your name, name, what? name three Erica Badu On Badu's and on, song. back in the day, uh, Call Tyrone. Um, so I knew he could do this. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's He's like, stuck at three, though. He's stuck at three. I mean, it's like... And man. how many albums has she put out? Like 20, 30? I, I just know she's That's from anybody. Dallas. The albums don't exist anymore. I just know she's from I'm Dallas. I'm just saying. Albums don't, nobody puts out... Everybody puts out singles. Nobody puts out a good album anymore. Even <laughs> though they are good albums. Because, like, literally, Chris Brown, his last two albums are dope. But the way that radio and the market is, they don't market them as albums anymore. Morgan Wallen did a double CD. What's his new album is dope as hell? Uh, Chris Stapleton? Oh, yeah. Well, Chris Stapleton. Chris Stapleton. Yo, I had no clue. And I started... Fi- Yo, he is... Man, that brother's different. So, what's the show? Uh, I'm old. So, I'm going to have to say uh, the last Prince concert I went to. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I got to throw Prince in there, too. Prince Prince is a, was amazing. Amazing, live. because when you have somebody with a catalog that deep, and like everybody <laughs> can sing everything, it's like... You can be there for three hours and and not get bored. I'll, I'll answer with the same thing too. So Prince played at like what was it Reunion Arena, and I went to that show and I left there and I went to Deep Elm and there was this old blues bar called like Blues Cat Blues Blue Alley Blues something like that, right over there. Kind of where Gypsy Tea Room used to be. And I used to love going in there. It was an older crowd, but they had, like, a piano in the back corner. They had some instruments, and, like, famous blues guitarists would come in there and play when they were in town and just set up and just play for a while. 
random local music would play, but it was jazz and blues. It was an amazing little place. And I was in there one night after the, after the Prince concert. It's late, man. I mean, it's like probably 11, 11.30 by now. And I'm sitting at the bar, and the bartender that I'm talking to is like, hey, man, he's like, go move over to one of those tables over there by the piano. He's like, because when this guy comes out and starts playing, it's either going to pack up or everybody's going to be flooded over there. No way. And I'm like, all right, man. So I went and got a little two-top table over there. I mean, I was just by myself after the show. I go over there, and I sit down at this table. And about five minutes later, I see all this rustling in the back. And they're trying to bring some stuff in. And I can see the top of this little head by these big-ass dudes. I mean, big, swole bouncer dudes. And he comes out, and he goes over and sits down at that piano and hits that first chord. And I looked up, and it's Prince. He just played... Reunion Arena, and then comes over there and decides he wanted to, like, play a little bit more and wasn't finished for the night. So he just wanted to sit down and just play. And, man, how long did he play for? For an hour, hour and a half, just sitting there jamming. He played his guitar. He played the piano. Now that's a moment. That, yeah, man, like, I can't. That probably takes the cake now when you say that. Like, I can't think of another show that, like, had that, like, my wife got to see a lot of shows that I didn't get to see that I missed out on. Like, I had tickets to see Rage and Beastie Boys at the Bronco Bowl before it closed, and that was when Mike D first got sick, and they canceled that show, and then Rage broke up right after that, so I didn't get to see Rage. My wife's got to see Rage several times. If, got, if you never went to the Bronco Bowl, you missed out. I got kicked out of the Bronco Bowl. Like, <laughs> Doesn't surprise me. Places, yeah. The... <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny story, too, that I can't talk about on air. But, yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> but the other good one like that, too, was uh, she got to see. I got sick and had tickets, but Incubus played at the Gypsy Tea Room. Oh, that would have been a fun show. Which is a super small venue. It was real intimate, real close. Like So she got to see that. So those are the ones we, like, fight over that, you know, she rubs into my face. But, you know, I got to see... Soundgarden, I gotta see Lincoln Park. But that's I like I see. Um, what are some of the other ones I've got her? Some of these I bought her tickets to that she didn't get to see too. I, I gotta see him with Audio Slit, Chris Cornell with Audio Sleeve. I said Chris Cornell solo. I've seen Tom Morello with his Night Watchman. I saw Tom Petty. So I've got a few on her that I can throw back out there. Yeah. Chap her a little bit that she didn't get to see before they passed. So, you know, there's a few of those. All right, man. Well, I just looked down and saw that, like, we're already right at the 8 o'clock mark. So I guess we need to wrap this up. And maybe we're just going to do another one of these sometime soon with you since we, I know there's so much more we didn't even, like, there's a lot touch on today. <laughs> but um, so. We end the show with two things every time. So now's your time in the hot seat. Let's do it. So if you got to leave your kids with one piece of advice, what piece of advice would that be? Well, never stop being yourself. Don't change for anybody. Right on. Now, the fun one. And I'm kind of scared to see where you're going to go with this. Oh, no. Show's called Common Sense. So you get to share your common sense with the audience and this could be anything you want to talk about that 
Maybe it was something I didn't ask you that you wanted to talk about. Maybe it's something on your mind. Maybe it's something that we talked about that you were going to say something else about. Maybe it's just your two cents. It, it literally can be whatever. Uh, that's a good question. Or, uh, I don't know if this is just old man syndrome going yeah. on, but uh, if you're going to have kids or have little kids, make sure and start those manners and behavior early. Um, I know here in the South, I know it, my wife's from San Diego and it, it uh, shocks her every time I say it, but yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. goes a long way here in Texas. Um, manners is a big one and just how to act in public. And um, we talked about me being a school teacher, um, just a little bit, but um, the blatant disrespect teenagers now. I maybe it was there when we were growing up, but it ju- it just seems that the, mm-hmm. the the disrespect kids have for adults now is getting out of control. It's because kids had kids, yeah. So they didn't know right, and then they had little ones, and then, then and they, the generational down. By the time they by the time they get to high school, it's almost too late. Yeah, um, because they weren't. They were given everything. They didn't have to earn anything. They were taught that just participating was enough, and that you know. Now I know I've been I've been guilty on occasion. Ooh. We're um, we're out at a restaurant or something, and my kids were little. Here's the phone, so they don't scream. But that was few and far between. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I know some people that will keep their kids at home and won't socialize them. Because um, they act like heathens out in public. Well, it's a little thing called parenting. So, it's only going to get worse. So, I mean, start them at an early age. Start them, you know, right and wrong. And those manners go a long way. I'm going to add to that, too. If your little snot-nosed Petri dish kid is sick, keep their asses home, too. <laughs> or if they're having a party or something like that, let the people know that your kid ain't feeling real well so that they don't spread them little germs to everybody else. And I, I, I work in a, uh, a Petri dish of a uh, profession. Cool. And um, it, the kids will have 101 fever. You're going to school. You're not going to come home unless they call me. So just saying uh, manners and behavior will go a long way in this world. And Sarah, I did not forget that one. Rage didn't actually play at Voodoo. So, um, yeah. Sarah, thanks for participating in the I show. I don't think they ever played Voodoo. I'll have to look that up, or you can Google it and let me know if I was right or wrong when I get home, I'm sure. Well, man, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I had a lot of fun sitting down with you. I'm glad we finally got to do it. Yeah, absolutely. For a while. Thanks for having me. Hope you guys enjoyed this. We're going to be back. Regular times now, 6 to 8, ICC on Thursdays, for the most part. I think we have, like, one Wednesday coming up at the end of March because um, Biz is going to be out of town and i got to work a trade show. So Hey, the weather is going to be nice this weekend. Come see me for all your cigar needs. I'll yeah. be here until uh, 5 o'clock Saturday and Sunday. So uh, I will probably be up here Saturday morning, and if I'm not up here Saturday morning, I'll for sure be up here for a little bit after golf on Sunday. And I'm Josh. My name's not Ted, so yeah. just, just throw all that yeah. out. <laughs>
As for Josh, tell him you want him to really explain and break down cigar pairings for you. <laughs> Test his knowledge. See what he can get you guys. But we'll be back again next week. You guys stay safe out there. Thanks for joining us. Peace. Thank you.